Good morning. Good morning out there, chilly. Yeah, that's right. Hold me closer. Hold me closer. Ah, no, oh, I'm that feels better. We just lit the fire. That's what it is. Anyway, welcome to the... <laughs> Benny did the that so well. Fire. I yeah, think he's right. made that sound before, just once or twice. Anyway, welcome to the original Loretta Brown Show. Radio to open the heart, heal the soul, and awaken the consciousness. I have a great show today. Really, really great show. I'm looking forward to my guest. And of course, I like to remain slightly mysterious. So you have to hang on to find out who it is. That's right. Mm -hmm. But you're going to be really glad that you tuned in, uh, especially during this time of the year. The holidays are quickly approaching. How many shopping days do we have left, Mr. Benny? Nineteen. Uh, I don't know. Somewhere in 19 there. Nineteen if you're going to do it the day of. <laughs> Eighteen if you're good. That's right. Seventeen um, if you're better. Yeah. Sixteen. <laughs> <laughs> and for those of you that are already done. Oh, kudos! Wow. Kudos to you all. Hallelujah to you. Right? And and good planning. That's great. Um, I am the owner of Reiki Oasis, located right here in the greater Seattle area. We're going into 24 years in business. <sighs> Just almost unbelievable. What a blessing. What a wonderful thing. Um, I stepped into sort of what we call my higher path years and years ago. It was a challenging thing to do, and I have never looked back. So if you want to find out more about me, Loretta Brown, you can go to ReikiOasis.com. And, of course, you can schedule everything at schedule.reikioasis.com. And a big thank you to my webmaster, Indigo Hawk, because I haven't thanked him for a long, long time. And I am ever grateful. And look for new things coming in the new year. We're working on some stuff to try to uh, make things a little bit more available to all of you, which is I've been asked over and over and over again. So it'll, it's happening. takes me a little while because, you know, I'm just like that. I do things carefully of course i have a tempo sometimes it's slow i think most people should have a tempo or be more aware of their tempo mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i've talked about tempo a lot with my clients this week about how some people run at a high fast tempo and some people go a little slower and sometimes that's why it creates a little uh, uh, uh conflict between us a little bit of scratchiness classic yeah. example would probably be our good old uh pal saint nick mm -hmm. he's got to be on an even edge Mm-hmm. Tempo. He can't go too fast, too slow. That's right. He's got to make his rounds. That's right. Especially if you're nice. That's right. If you're naughty, well, there's the tempo. Yeah. What about the elf on the shelf? Is that happening oh. this year? <laughs> uh, not at my household. Ooh. They do that. Uh, their moms, the boys do. And, um, yeah, I've seen some pretty interesting, <laughs> some inter interesting ones, I should say. It's another thing to just, like, also have to kind of remind yourself to uh, stay on top of that. Uh huh. The yeah, little, you do. The, the project that is. That's right, because it is a project. It is a project. It can't be the elf cannot be doing that one thing for three days. Yeah, there's a little guidance involved mm -hmm. with mm -hmm. the elf on the shelf. Yeah. So just fun things to do. I love tradition. I love family, and uh, I love when you have something that you do that it, it's not all about presence, as you know. Sometimes it's about these beautiful memories that we make with each other. Mm -hmm. So and even the holiday dinners or things like that. So. Uh, I hope you're having a good time going into this holiday season, irregardless of what your beliefs and your religions are. There's lots of wonderful traditions, and you, can, of course, can start your own at any given time. Best of us for the rest of us. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I have a couple of announcements for Reiki Oasis. We have the Temple of the Divine Feminine this Saturday, 
December 8th, and it we usually do it the third Saturday. It's the second Saturday because, I'm sorry, I have something that Loretta has to go do the third Saturday, so I know. <laughs> Betty rolled his eyes. No, I'm thinking, like, what do you have planned? I'm going to go chanting with my oh, uh, sacred sound people. See? Yeah. You know, things that help nourish my soul as a musician. So uh, a little this, holiday cheer, a little holiday know. chanting. Mm-hmm. A little holiday chanting, a little holiday cheer. Nice. I'll play the piano and do some original music and that kind of fun stuff. Nice. I know. People happen to like it. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> they're just friendly and they're just being nice. But uh, I do love music. I think it's a vital part of our life. So uh, Temple of the Divine Feminine this Saturday. It's a monthly class for women we talk about all kinds of things that, that help women in every aspect of your life. And kind of, um, you know, how can you be the best that you are in the busy life that you are? And we look back at ancient mysteries and um, sacred secrets, I suppose you might say. It's really, really fun, and I would love to have you come. It's, it's kind of a support group. I also have on Wednesday evening, December 26th and December 27th, you just choose one night, I have the end of the year prayer bundles. And these are, uh, another word for prayer bundle is despacho, and it's such an odd word that I just call them prayer bundles. But it's an opportunity for you to come and bring into this uh, sacred circle the things that you would like to let go of from this year the old, worn-out, tired, dusty things, and to bring in your intentions for what you want to bring into the new year. Space is limited. You can sign up at schedule.reikioasis.com, and please only sign up for one of those nights, and I'm just letting people know they fill up very quickly. They're always packed, and uh, people have the most wonderful feedback from what happens from just doing that little bit of attention and intention into their lives. And, of course, that's how we do it. The, what we attend to, we get more of. So <laughs> be careful where your attention is as focused, right? And do it, do it consciously. I want to thank all my supporters. We are a listener-supported show. For those of you that support the show and those that want to, you can go to patreon.com slash the Loretta Brown Show. And even $1 helps pay for this airtime where I can bring you amazing, inspirational talk radio with people who are, they're out there because they want to help. That's really what it's all about. And uh, I always need a little bit of help. I need a pep talk every now and then. Quick check-in with astrology. December ends 2018, Benny, on a high note. Yes. I know. And if you want to know what to expect in 2019, pay attention to what happens this month. And we're already, what, six days into it. In December 2018, it's time to reflect on what you want from the next version of yourself and from the next chapter of your life. And some of my clients, I believe, are, are throwing the book out and starting a new one. It's that sort of new energy. So why should you pay so much attention to December? Because in December, we're done, dun da da done with the retrograde planets. Da-da-da-da. <laughs> I think we had just about yeah. all of them retrograde at one point. Best news I've heard. Yes. 
So 2018 was probably the year of retrogrades. And retrogrades are not necessarily a bad thing, but they do make us revisit the past. It's like a record setting, wasn't it? It was. It was Man. kind of outlandish at, at one point. Hmm. So we had a very long Mars retrograde challenging us through the summer. And, you know, Mars is that fiery planet of war and battle and rah, like that. So when Mars finally went direct, well, then Venus started her retrograde in October. And then again, when Venus went direct, one day later, Mercury went retrograde. So they all were taking turns. But on December 6th, which is today... Mercury goes direct. Yay! And Mercury is the planet of communication. And so with this, the retrograde saga is over. And like I said, they're not all bad. But it's time for us to stop looking back and redoing now. It's time to move on. The universe and God is on our side. And it should be smooth sailing for December and January. So the theme for December is to dream big and explore new courses of action, and envision a new reality for yourself. We have lots of Jupiter and Neptune energy. They're the planets of spirituality, of envisioning something that doesn't yet exist. Jupiter is in its own sign of Sagittarius, and we also have three weeks of the sun in Sagittarius, a wonderful Mercury-Jupiter conjunction in Sagittarius, and a new moon in Sagittarius. So why do we care about that? Sagittarius is the archer who shoots to the stars. And so this is the season to dream big and send your intentions to the universe. So let's put it like this. If 2018 was not what you expected, uh, what are your plans for 2019? Do you hope in 2019 the stars will be be better? Will you wait and see, or are you ready to take real action to change your life? And if you do the same things you've been doing, you will, if you continue to do the same things you will be been doing, (laughs) and I can't even say it, you'll get the same results. So you got to change something. And for the sake of Jupiter and Sagittarius, no more repeating the same old, old, and it's time to completely change your life. And, of course, we always have help to do that. At every given moment, we are never alone. (sighs) And, boy, is that something that we want to take a look at. I'm going to introduce my guest. My my guest today is Joe McQuillan. He's a Chicago author, a mortgage broker, a father, a regular guy, by the way, who wrote a book he never, ever wanted to write when his son Christopher drowned in a canoe accident January 3rd, 2016. We're going to talk about Joe's book, My Search for Christopher on the Other Side, and it is an absolutely remarkable story of a father's journey through grief, awakening, discover, and acceptance, and how Joe navigated the personal bridge to the other side. Welcome to the show, Joe. Thank you very much. Right, yeah. I appreciate it. I really appreciate having you here. Um, you know, it's it's hard to know where to start with this interview because there is a lot. I um, read your book, and it is, uh, I'm just going to say this. You know, I've read a lot of books about life on the other side or when people pass, and 
many of them are difficult to get through. They're very academic or something or sterile. And uh, your book is coming straight from the heart. So I'm just going to say that. What, what, um, give us some background. What, what happened and what led you to writing this book? Sure. Thank you. And, and I agree. I read a bunch of these books and, uh, you know, you just can't get through some of them. And some yeah. of them are too flighty. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I was uh, grateful that Chris was able to navigate me through writing uh, this book. So in December of 16, my, you know, the, the last Christmas that Chris was on this side, uh, we had a great Christmas. And uh, he was home from college and his sister's in college. And uh, his younger brother was uh, you know, finishing high school. And uh, the last weekend... January 3rd, they went up to a friend's uh, uh, lake house in, in Wisconsin and, up, you know, 12, 14 kids. And they're not kids. They were young adults, 21, but they're still kids to me. And and did what they, you know, comes naturally, you know, drinking, carousing, shooting pool at a local place, and then coming back and kicking up their heels. And, and unfortunately, uh, Four of these boys decided that at 3 a.m. You know, there was a, a boathouse and and some canoes in there that they would uh, thought would be a hoot to take a canoe out. And all four of them went out, and none of them came back. And uh, the next day, the kids were scrambling looking for them, and I got a call saying Chris was missing. So I jumped in a my jeep with my dog, and we headed up to Wisconsin, an hour hour and a half away. And halfway up, I got the phone call that said uh, that it was no longer a search, but a recovery. That they they were all gone, and they were just recovering the body. And mm. and uh, you know, obviously, to any parent uh, or, or anybody with a heart <laughs> listening, um, you know, it, it, you know, time just freezes and your heart just breaks. And and uh, you know, I went up there and uh, waited most of the day and. God bless one of the families. They, they didn't recover the boy for another three days, and uh, they wouldn't let me see my boy. They showed pictures, and and, uh, and had to go home and start, you know, the details that go along with this, you know, including a wake that included two thousand, sort of like two thousand mm. people. Mm. You know, so he was a popular kid, he was a very sweet kid. He was a handful, you know. He's a he's unfortunately good news like his old man when he was young at that age, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and so I started trying to connect with him on the other side, the way we connected on this side. And that was the start of the search. Wow. Um, there is a lot in what you're saying. And for, for those people listening, I, I actually know that some of my clients have, uh, lost children this year and, yeah. um, you know, there are, there are certain things that w- we talk about, and then there's things that are just so hard for people to talk about that they just can't do it. So I'm going to give you big, um, just from my heart to yours, the courage that it takes for you to be on this show with me and also to have written this book, and um, the compassion in this book, the caring in this book. So for my listeners, if any of you have lost a child or if you've lost a loved one, you might actually want to call into the show today at 425-373-5527 or 1-888-298-5569 and um, just, just come on to the show with us. 
And uh, you know, one thing, yeah. uh, Loretta, for mm-hmm. those people, if they're waiting for somebody who's been through it to tell them, you know, it gets easier, it heals. It doesn't. You learn how to adjust to it. It, it changes. Um, pain doesn't go away. You just cope with it differently. So anybody who's lost a kid, my my heart and soul are with you, uh, especially around this time of year. Yeah. Yeah. I think the holidays and, and anniversary dates bring things up. So uh, one of the reasons I wanted you on the show now. Uh, you know, I, I have to tell the listeners, you know, you're really just kind of a regular guy. You're from a Irish Catholic family. I think you're the youngest of 10 children. And by the way, I'm, I'm the seventh of eight children from an Irish family. I don't think uh-huh. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. it happens. And <laughs> you're really a blue collar worker from the Bronx. So here, what led you to psychics and mediums of all things? You know, it's funny. Uh, a couple things. You know, I've, I've been blessed with being being genetically predisposed. You know, 33 years ago, I stopped drinking. I started to got involved with AA, not because I was doing it so well, Loretta. You know, <laughs> nobody quits because it was working out so well, right? Right. And uh, and and even though I had 13 years of Catholic school, it was only then that I start embracing some sort of spirituality, not necessarily religion. Spirituality. Mm. Um, you know, I went. I went to a high school where I said the prayer of Saint Francis every day for three years, but it was only one listening to a Wayne Dyer book and he talked about the prayer of Saint Francis when I had got where well, it become a little bit of a spiritual journey when I was sober that I actually embraced a, a loving God. I had a, a loving, wonderful father. You know, flawed like all of our dads. I adored my dad. So I think it was easier for me to embrace a loving God, having had a loving dad that would never do anything to harm me. So, um, but God and I went on our own way, you know, and, uh, you know, he did his thing and I did mine. Um, and when this thing crashed with, with, with Christopher crossing over, um, I'd get on my knees and I'd thank God every night for, for, for my family and for keeping me sober. And then I would literally say, you know, but I'm PO'd at you for taking my kid. And, and I had to open myself up for the message that came from God that said, I didn't take your son. His recklessness and his free will caused him to leave early. And I welcomed him home, but I didn't take him, Joe. You know, so, uh, you know I didn't do that to you. So once I realized that, Loretta, mm-hmm. I was able to embrace him and then, Start this search for Christopher that's in this environment. And I didn't know. And but I I had ran across the medium once ten years before, just kind of on a bit of a lark or a spiritual search. So I always believed in them. I just had no urgency to connect. And now I did. You know, I would now even when Chris was on this side, I'd do anything to connect with him. So, you know, the philosophy didn't change. I just needed to find them. And so I started seeking this stuff out and uh and it's amazing how quickly it all happened and how what a convert I became, you know, immediately. You know, the first guy I saw in person just said to me, you were planting something today. Chris acknowledges you wearing his bracelet. You celebrated his birthday like you always did. That very day I was planting shamrocks mm-hmm. and the loose dirt around his grave. Now the, the dirt was loose because I had moved his grave one over. Because I was upset that he was sitting next to somebody, because he was buried in the 
in the snow and ice, and I didn't realize there was a gravestone there. So we moved them, and I'm going to occupy that spot. So I planted that, you know, that spring. I planted shamrocks, and I walked in. And he said, "Yeah, Chris is here. He looks like Brad Pitt," and he just went down this line of things that nobody knew. I had done that day, and and uh, and, and the, the, Taylor and I had the night before celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary, uh, and so this was, you know, months later. I'm, I'm I'm in a medium's office and, and just hitting me with barrage effects from the other side. This is my son saying he's here, and he's continued that. You know, I've continued working to get open, and he's continued to bring me messages. Um, you know, I I love what you're saying because that validation is really so important. Hmm. Um. You know, because here you are going into, you know, a, a psychic medium and and um, yeah, there there are some charlatans out there. I'm just going to say that. But then there's the real thing. And you were guided to the real thing. Uh, and you know what? And if mm-hmm. I went to the wrong one, I'd know it in a heartbeat. I went to one gal that wasn't very good at it. Mm-hmm. She wasn't trying to, to, to mislead me. She just was, you know, I think there's. Great pitchers and good pitchers. There's great quarterbacks and good quarterbacks, you know, and and great authors and good authors. And hopefully, if you like the book, you know, you'll decide. But, but you know, I don't think a lot of people are trying to mislead anybody because it's so difficult in this age of communication. Mm-hmm. But I have been guided to, you know, uh, you know, some wonderful ones. Andrew Anderson, Sherry Jewell, um, you know, uh, you know, the first one that I I, I, I met is out in, in Arizona, Surprise, Arizona. And, you know, Thomas John, who's world-renowned. And just there, there, there's no getting around the fact that these people are telling me things that nobody knew, that nobody could have looked up, you know. So if they were charlatans, I'm a pretty savvy guy. And I spent 25 years in the car business, ended up being a car dealer. So, you know, I'm not really good at people pulling the wool over my eyes. So, and if it was all BS, I wanted to know and find something else. Mm-hmm. But I found out that it was, that, that it's just walking from one room to the other. And if we can raise our consciousness, they lower theirs on the other side and we can meet in the middle. And that's where the meditation comes in, the stage, all of that, just so we can raise our consciousness. I mean, we're like cosmic slugs. <laughs> you, know, you know, and so they've got to slow down their energy to be able to meet us, you know. But when people say, huh, I've never talked, I've never heard from my mom. Have you tried? Have you gone to a spiritual place? I was I was in uh, Siesta Key last week. I was visiting my sister in Naples and drove up to Siesta Key in the middle of the night to sit with Chris because it's a sacred spot. I mean, that sand is, is literally quartz crystal, not sand. So I've met with him a couple of years ago there, and it was strong, and it was strong again. You know, so it's like anything else in the universe or in life, Loretta, you got to go first, mm-hmm. right? If you go first, mm-hmm. it's amazing how the doors will open. You know, but you can't sit back and say, well, no, you know, no spirit ever called me. you got to try harder, sport. You know, give it another <laughs> shot. I, uh... <laughs> I, I just love what you're saying, Joe. I, I really do. Co- we are cosmic slugs, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we are. <laughs> We're pretty, on our best day. <laughs> on our, our best day. <laughs> We're pretty dense. And, uh, yeah. yeah, the idea is, um, you know, 
it's sort of like sitting in your home wondering why no one's calling you when you could just pick yeah. the phone up and, hey, do your part. Yeah. Come on now. Raise your vibration. Raise your frequency because you do have to raise up and they, and they, and they come down. Uh, we're going to take a station break on that. Uh, my guest today is Joe McQuillan, and we're talking about his book, My Search for Christopher, On the Other Side. Uh, this is Loretta Brown. We're going to take a station break. We're going to talk more about being cosmic slugs <laughs> when we come back. And the lines are open if you want to call in, 425-373-5527 or 1-888-298-5569. We'll be right back. Did you know that Reiki healing can be done at a distance? It's true. So let Reiki Oasis focus powerful energy to help relieve your stress, grief, sadness, anger, and so much more. Convenient, personalized treatments at a distance can increase lightness of being. During your appointment, find a quiet place to lie down or sit to receive healing energies. If you want help with your dis-ease, visit ReikiOasis.com. Harness life's energy. Visit ReikiOasis.com today. Children who grow up in poverty are part of a destructive cycle. Childhood poverty creates adult poverty, creates childhood poverty, and on and on. And this is a relentless cycle. Worldwide, millions of children live in extreme poverty. At Child Fund International, we find this unacceptable. So we do all we can. In 25 countries, we are vigorously fighting poverty and improving the lives of over 11 million children and their families. Our programs support early childhood development and children's health and education. And we help strengthen the economic security of families. Childhood poverty creates adult poverty, creates childhood poverty. But at Child Fund International, we are committed to breaking this destructive cycle. Today's childhood poverty must not become tomorrow's. Learn more at childfund.org. Alternative Talk 1150. We're on your radio at 1150 a.m. We're on your HD radio at 98.9 Channel 3. So many ways to listen. We're on the web at 1150kknw.com. Streaming live audio and video as well as MP3 archives of many of our shows. So many ways to listen. And now, we're on your smartphone or tablet. Download our free app in the Apple App Store or Google Play and take Alternative Talk 1150 anywhere you go. So many ways to listen. Radio with no added hormones or preservatives. All natural alternative talk, 1150 AM. Welcome back to the original Loretta Brown show with my guest, the amazing Joe McQuillan. That's right. The amazing. Wow. Uh, amazing. Let's put that on my business card. I know. <laughs> I like those adjectives. Um, during the break, we were talking a little bit, and I want to bring this out on the air, that uh, for Joe to write this book in the time frame that he did and have it already out and published is some kind of a miracle. And, uh, Joe, I want you to repeat on the air what you told me during the break. You know, um, Chris passed and in, in, in crossed over in January of 16. And, and because I was meeting with a bunch of uh, mediums trying to find ways to connect with them, I kept copious notes on all this. I never intended to write a book. I intended to be able to have this stuff to, to bring me comfort, right? So in in February or, or must have been February of 18, uh, of 17, um, that 
uh, I just got a, an urge. My, my, my wife was downstairs talking to her brother, and and she was describing how tenacious Chris was when he was a little kid. It was in April of, of, of 17. When he was a kid playing hide-and-seek, two years old, he'd hide. He'd find him. He'd say, hide again. He'd go take off. It sounded like hide yet. You know, he'd take off. And he could do this for hours. You know, he'd keep it going. You know, Benny will tell you, do a tw- you know, twin. And uh, so I just got the urge to go upstairs and start writing. I started writing a book. By Father's Day, of 18, so a year and a couple months afterwards, the book was done. You know, the, the editing and all that stuff had to be done, but the actual written manuscript was done um, through some harassment from my son on the other side, making me, you know, keep pushing to help people. By December, November, really, by mid-November, Thanksgiving, the book was published. Mm. Now, that's inconceivable. That doesn't mm-hmm. happen. I, I've met with authors who've spent seven or eight years getting books published after writing and editing, you know, so I have zero connection in the outside world or in the, in the publishing world, in the writing world. I've never written a book. And it's a phenomenal book. If I say so myself, because I can say that with humility because every keystroke, Chris was next to me, you know, mm-hmm. guiding me. So the bottom line is for this book to hit, you know, Amazon a year and a half after its inception, is divine inspiration, and and to be honest with you, it's Christopher. He's just pushing. He'll, he'll you know, if he wants something done, he'll get his arm around you, and that's how he was on this side. And what I found from a lot of mediums is that your spirits, your personality doesn't change. Mm-hmm. If you were tenacious here, you're going to be tenacious when you cross the room, right? And that's what it is. He's come through every reading I've been to in groups, small groups, big groups. They always walk over and say, your son Christopher's here. In fact, last time, Thomas John said, you have a sister, Pat, who died? I said, yeah, my oldest sister passed away. He goes, well, Christopher's behind making bunny ears behind her. You know, <laughs> same personality, you know, and he didn't know Pat or, or, or you know, and he actually named off four or five other family members who crossed and said, you know what? Your family kind of scares me. <laughs> and when a medium says, your family scares you, you know you're from a dysfunctional family. <laughs> Well, um, I did tell Joe that um, his son woke me up this morning and and uh, was very uh, uh, tenacious about the fact that I hadn't put his picture on my Facebook page. So I had to put the cop uh, the <laughs> the front of the book on my Facebook page, and uh, it's a little Isn't blurry. Beautiful? You know, he's gorgeous. Isn't he beautiful? He's gorgeous. Yeah, yeah he's really yeah. handsome. And you're right, Brad Pitt, or or better. Yeah. I'm going to say or better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Me too. So, um, you know, did you, because there's so many questions in this, you know, first of all, you have an enormous validation that Christopher is still alive. He's just on the other side of whatever that is, the veil. And, um, you know, I I have to say, because I I also know that you're communicating directly with him. Like you've gone to mediums and you've gone to psychics, but can you tell us about that? When did that happen and occur? And (laughs) how did your family feel about that? (laughs) You know, you know what? One thing about coming from a big Irish Catholic family, as you know, Loretta, (laughs) you really don't care what anybody else thinks outside the family. Anyhow, (laughs) you just don't care. I knew what you were going to say. Yeah, you're your own tribe. You know what I mean? So you care about the tribe. So I would, what I would do is 
I'd wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning, and I'd walk, walk from the bedroom to my office, which was Chris, used to be Christopher's bedroom when he was a lad, and, uh, and it's my home office. And uh, I usually work from home before I go downtown every day. And so I'd get up at 3 sometimes, and I'd come in and I'd just feel them. And I would just light a candle and, and meditate and align my chakras and do all the things that 10 years ago I would have thought I'd rolled my eyes a little bit. You know, but if those are the rules to get connected, I'm in, man. Whatever it takes, I'm in. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure it out. So uh, the day, anniversary of his crossing, January 3rd, 2017, and the first year we got surprised at the grave with about half a dozen or about a dozen of his local friends and friends from college who all showed up. We had a little celebration. Well, the next year, which was, you know, 2018, you know, it was uh, about 30 people showed up and we had a reception out and, and just all celebrating and fun, you know, no speeches, no BS. And, uh, and, just, and we all came home to my, it was negative three degrees. Okay. There were 30 people at the grave hanging out. And uh, so the night before or three o'clock that morning, you know, seven, 10 hours before, I'm doing my thing in my office, and I pick up a pen, and it was a pen that I had taken some notes on when I was listening to, to, me, uh, to Medium, and I just started writing down, and it was messages from Chris, and it was, hi, Dad, you know, it's beautiful here. You're going to friggin' love it. It's greens and blues. It's never cold. It's warm. You know, there's a tropical breeze, you know, um, and it was like, what? You know, and I, I and I just kept writing. And I wrote two or three pages. And then he would say, all right, going back now. See ya. And, and love my friend. Now, one of the things he said to me, Loretta, was it was one kid. It was his, it wasn't his fault. It was his house that they, they were all partying at. And he said, be nice to Scotty. You know, be nice to Scotty. You know, Scotty loved me and I loved him. Now, I'm Irish. I wanted to hold on to that resentment, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I wanted, it, it, that didn't come from me. I did not originate that, right? You know what Irish Alzheimer's is, Loretta? Where you forget everything but the grudges, <laughs> you know? And this, this kid wasn't his fault. You know, he loved my son, my son loved him. So I said, sure, Chris, I'll, I'll let go of that. Because when would I ever need it anyhow? Fast forward to 2.30 that afternoon, and there's Scotty at the grave. That's hard to think is a coincidence, right? When you say coincidence, just God showing off, right? Mm-hmm. That wasn't a coincidence. You know, it was, so there are many things that he's come through. He's used analogy like, hey, Dad, it's just, you know, go with it, like a flow, like canoe cutting through water. Loretta, I would never use an analogy of canoe cutting through water. My son crossed over in a canoe. You know, yeah. he yeah. passed. In a, I'd never use that. Right. So if that's coming out in the writing, you got to know it's not original with me. So I've taken this writing and I had, you know, I've got a folder that I've taped and hockey tape all over it because I don't want, that's the original folder and that's where it's going to stay until I cross. Right. And I've taken it and showed these writings to mediums that I said, oh yeah, that's Chris. You know, Thomas John flat out, that's Chris. You know, Nancy out in Surprise, Arizona, that's Chris. You know, everybody said, yeah, no doubt, that's Chris. Mm-hmm. You know, so... You know, that's, that's how the books, I had a year's worth, year and two months worth of notes and appointments and mediums that I had had in this folder that I had filed under a date, each date that it happened. And that day I picked it up and just started writing the book and, 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 and that's it. So 
I thought, I got to say something, I thought it was automatic writing, mm -hmm. right? I, that's what I thought. And that's what I called it in the book, too, until almost the editing stages of the book. I thought it was automatic writing. And then I read what automatic writing really is, where you go into a trance. It's not your handwriting. And then I read what this is called. It's called spirit writing or channel writing. And it really is Chris sending me messages. I was, last weekend, I'm sitting on a beach at night in Naples and get a message that says, you know, go up to Siesta Key, Dad. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, okay. That's a two-hour ride. I've been, you know, it's all bad. You know, I'm tired. But he wants to do it. I, I'm in. You know, made sure I had enough Red Bull and cigars to drive up to Siesta Key. <laughs> Got there. Felt them all around me. And I laughed because I said, you know what I think this is about? Chris is turning to his buddy and the other side and saying, see, I told you to show up. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you, know, but, you know, a mere four-hour round trip means nothing if I get to connect with my son. Mm -hmm. You know, so that, that's what I talked about earlier about going first. Make the effort, man. The payoff is ridiculous. The payoff is outstanding. Now, you were, you were talking just now about feeling him. Can you yeah. can you comment more on that? And also, yeah. um, because you're clairaudient and probably clairsentient. Um, um, yes, I am. Can you talk about that a little bit for the listeners? To, what what are the well? Clairs? First of all, I'm, I'm the youngest of ten kids, which means I'm what, Lord? I'm spoiled, right? <laughs> you're the youngest of uh -huh. ten kids. You're spoiled. Yeah. The oldest of brothers and sisters couldn't believe my old man's nickname was Iron Joe. Oh, you know, <laughs> they, they couldn't believe. You know, what a sucker they were by the time the younger kids were. They were just tired, you know. They, you know so I was spoiled. So I'm spoiled to this day. I am clairaudient and I'm clairsentient where I can smell. Mm. I can smell him. It smells like, you know, like a you know, sweaty teenager after playing pickup basketball. <laughs> you know, which is how his room always smelled like sweat that. And, and, I, and I can hear him. And damned if I can't see him. I want to see him. And I'm trying, and maybe someday I will, but that just hasn't been given to me yet. You know, so when he's around, I feel a sense of a tingle around my neck, and it's like somebody just, I felt like, just got submerged in kind of warm water. Mm. You know, that kind of, and and I know he's around me. You know, and by the way, there's times that he's not around me, you know, and, and he'll say, not now, Pop, and I'll get nothing. It's like, dude, I'm up. Then I go back to bed and watch you know, Law and Order reruns or something, right? But, <laughs> uh -huh. but yeah, I so there is no doubt. I the, the main feel I have is is the back of my neck tingles, and that just tells me he's around. You know, he's around. What a gift! You know, what an amazing gift. And and anybody who rolls their eyes, that's okay. God bless you. You know, when you need it, you're going to try it, and if you do it right, you're going to get some get some feedback from the other side yeah i i wanted you to bring that out because a lot of people are looking for some sort of validation and and we can often you know smell something like a perf perfume or like you say body sweat i love that one yeah, yeah. <laughs> or um or we get signs can you talk a little bit about feathers and red cardinals unbelievable and, uh -huh. And we wrote a book. There's a wonderful friend of mine, Brad and I, and we've written some music together. I'll send you a couple of this stuff after the interview that we've gone to the studio. One is I'll send you feathers, uh. um, which when, when he, he was at a boarding school uh, and it called Imbalance Ranch Academy, and I sit on the board. And they're the, the family who owns and runs that 
are wonderful. And Chris was like family to them. He stayed on there as staff for a year after he, he graduated. He was a wild kid, and so we sat out there and and uh, and had some you know wonderful experiences. So I was out there to talk to the team and and their boys, you know, drug, alcohol behavior. So I went out there to connect with them, which is my favorite thing to do in the whole world, just to connect with kids that age. You know, and I see my son in every one of them. And it was a guy named Robert who's, who was a counselor. And Robert left the, the, in balance to start a ranch, um, you know, out west. And, and Robert's a, a Apache Indian and, uh, and, and was one of the counselors. And he talked about feathers being an important sign. Um, and that Christopher's best pal on the ranch was a guy named Sam DuPont, who wrote a beautiful song. He's a musician now. And that... Sam still carries a feather Robert gave him when he was a student that he carries with him. Mm. So that next day we went to see Christopher's godson at a park in Tucson. And uh, Johnny Gonzalez, hi, Johnny. And uh, and and Sally, and this little kid, you know, bronze, dark hair, Chris was blonde hair, they were the same spirit. You know, I saw this Johnny and I just saw Chris's spirit in him. And I just you know, love this kid. So, we were walking around, and I saw Sally pick up a feather and put it in her, in, in her bag. And since I don't have a purse, I asked her to, you know, I picked up <laughs> one and asked her to put it in the purse for me. And uh, not that I judge if you have a purse. It's fine. <laughs> I was just so, thinking of you with I'm a all, purse, Joe. I mean, other I'm other guys good. maybe, but you, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm all good if somebody else has one. God bless. So yeah. um, <laughs> I get home, and I said to Sally, hey, when you get home, could you just throw that up? That's right. And that night I shoot over to the, the grave to say hello. I, I hang out at the grave all the time. It's not maudulum. It's not sad. It's, it's a great place where we communicate. I don't think he lives there. I think he meets me there. And the energy is great. My dog runs around. It's, it's fenced in. It's open 24-7. I have a folding chair. I light a cigar, and we shoot the breeze, you know, we catch up. I get there, and there's a feather over the gravestone, right across the gravestone. And I'm like, did she not hear you know, what I asked her to do, I asked her to please put it on my desk. So I come home and I go, hey. She said, how's the grave? I said, it's, you know, great. I cleaned it up. It's perfect. I said, but I asked you to bring the feather and throw it on my desk. I wanted to keep it spread sage. I didn't want it on the grave. She said, I didn't put a feather on the grave. She mm-hmm. said, you know, the next time you want to bring your own feather home, you bring it. You know, I was like, okay. Uh-huh. So I got in trouble with my wife. And, and the bottom line, a feather, you know, the, the feather that she brought home was up on my desk. You know, so he sends me feathers. He sends my friends feathers all the time. He sends cardinals. He sends Sally, my wife, Sally, who was really connected to also, hawks. He sends Uh, me cardinals, mm -hmm. you know. And Mm -hmm. it's, you know, and for all you listeners, you know, this isn't me trying to placate my grief. This isn't me looking and stretching. Mm -hmm. This is the kind of thing where I'm walking out the deck a couple weeks ago and I saw these, these, you know, starlings flying by. And I said, God, I wish, I wish it was a, I wish it was a cardinal. And damned if a cardinal didn't fly by, you know. Like, oh, okay, hi, buddy, hi, Chris. You know, these are, you know, this. I'm not doing this to maintain my sanity. Mm-hmm. You know, this is just the way it is, and and I'm lucky to have that connection. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I like this. Uh, the feathers, you know, uh, he sends you feathers. And the red cardinals, and uh, like you say, the hawk, or 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 whatever it is. I have um, 
every time I hear, you know, because I play the piano and I used to play uh, the Moonlight Sonata, the first movement for my grandmother. Yeah. And every time I hear that song, random places, I'm like, oh, that's yeah. grandma. There she is. Right. Yeah. Like I get it. And um, yeah. I think it's it's comforting for us to know because they will reach through from the other side to try to to connect with us. And it's so I think it's comforting at some level. It's it's very comforting. Um, yeah. I, I wanted to ask you this. It's it's you know, do do souls have a designated exit point? I mean, w- was your great son question. son ready to go? What's your answer to that? Yeah. You know, great question. Um, and I've done a lot of research on this, and 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 I'm told this exit point. You know, uh, he had a and he was reckless and wild and sweet. And he had a couple of near death experiences when he was 18. Working on the ranch, I sent him a pickup out there, which one day, you know, going to the ranch, which, you know, ranch, as the term says, starts early. Um, he flipped it on this dirt road, and, and and the fact that he walked away, he and a passenger without a scratch, upside down, flipped, totaled, uh, was one. Another one is he fell down a 30-foot mine shaft hiking in Havasupe. Um, that it was uh, the air duct next to a mine shaft, and... And, and it was, there's nothing marked it, there's nothing, you know, and, you know, he, he there was a leader that, you know, inadvertently led them into that. He fell down that and went into shock. And um, I, until the day that I couldn't, we didn't find him. It was the longest half hour of my life because, uh, because if they, they said they were going to airlift him out, if he was going to Las Vegas, it was because there was spinal injuries. If he was going to Flagstaff, it was because there wasn't. So I waited, you know, praying crazily for half an hour until I got the call and said he was on his way to Flagstaff, where my, my friend Mike Sawyer uh, busted him out of the hospital and got him to a good hospital in Scottsdale. Um, but, you know, those are those are two times that he could have he could have exited, and he did, yet... I'm told by every medium, pretty much everyone that said that he you know, certainly didn't mean to go, he didn't choose to go, he thought there'd be more weddings, he told Thomas John. Mm. It was an oh, frig moment, um, you know, that he wanted to be a dad. He wished he could have been a dad. Mm. Um, but then we were told by, by uh, 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 Rosen, who said uh, uh, next year, 22 was his exit point. That mm. he would have gone at 22. We, I don't know why, but we, uh, Rebecca Rosen, who was just fit, wonderful, but but we always kind of worried that we'd only have him for a short time. Maybe it was just his energy, you know. Mm. He was there, then he was gone, mm. and uh, and so you know, the fact that he's telling me he's gonna be there when I cross is really reassuring to me. I mean, literally, he yeah. said, "Don't worry about it, Pop. I'll be there when you cross." And he said to me, your learning curve is going to be a lot easier than mine because I'm <laughs> telling you all about it. Mm. So you know, I'm giving you the heads up. So you owe me. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So, I love that. I, um, I've i had a couple of near-death experiences, and my one of part of that experience is, uh, is the loved ones, the relatives, uh, just waiting right there for you. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, his, you know what, my niece, Carrie, mm-hmm. when... My niece, Carrie, died at 42 years old, 2012, mm. and she left two 
boy, she couldn't have kids. She adopted two Korean boys, Brian and Alan. And when he she died, the family was you know up in arms. What do you do? You know, Bill, the husband, had a job and had two boys to provide for. So Christopher stayed there two months and babysat the boys, nannied the boy. Mm. You know, and, and he said to me, I said, buddy, that's a big responsibility. He said, you know, Dad, that's just what family does. Yeah. So it's no surprise that every medium we've talked to, Greta, everyone mm-hmm. has said that Carrie was there when he crossed. And he said, Carrie, what are you doing here? He was surprised to see her. But she was there to walk him across when he, when he crossed. Um, that, you know, nobody circles the wagons like we do, the McQuillan, you know, yeah. this side or the next. Yeah, I, I love that. I um, uh, My father passed in 2007, and I had powerful experiences. He actually appeared uh, next to my bed, woke me up, and said, is it okay for me to go? And I was, like, in that sleepy place, like, Sure, yeah. sure, Dad, whatever. And then I got a call that he had passed and realized, oh, my gosh, he actually asked me. <laughs> he actually showed right. up. But he, he, he shows up uh, off and on, and I asked him a couple of days after he'd passed, I said, Dad, what are you doing on the other side? Like, what's going on over there? And he said, first of all, it's just like what your son told you. He said, it's beautiful. It's amazing. It's all real. Everything's real. And he said, I'm, I'm building houses for all of you. So that yeah. when you pass, I'll meet you and you'll have a place to go. And I went, oh, my goodness. And that's my dad. He was yeah. always, yeah. you know, building a fence yeah. out of lumber left laying around somewhere, right? But Yeah, um, you know, I, I mm-hmm. asked Nancy, who was this, uh, Nancy Myers is great. Uh, she's out in Surprise, Arizona, mm-hmm. great medium. But we were on the phone, and, and I wanted him more face-to-face. That's why I went to Andrew, who was terrific. Um, I asked Nancy, and I said, look, that morning, at 3 o'clock in the morning, on the 3rd, I woke up. It was one of those stupid dreams about running around school without your homework or half-naked or something, and it was really unsettling. Mm-hmm. But it, and I felt in a horrible mood that morning. And so I said, was that him? And she said, yeah. She said, it's not uncommon that when spirits cross, they go somewhere that's familiar on the way, where they're loved. Mm. And, and then Christopher's case, he came by, came to see me, you know, um, on his way to cross over, you know. And so your dad visiting you, that's real commonplace. Here's the crazy stat, Loretta. Mm-hmm. 70% of people, 70% of people have some sort of contact with the other side. Mm. So when we're walking around worried about, gee, is somebody going to think I'm crazy? Well, there's only 30% of the people who haven't had the experience. And maybe half of them haven't had experience, but believe it. That means 15% of the people. So are we really going to walk around and worry what 15% of the people think about? No. <laughs> you know, I, I don't care. You know? Mm-hmm. And I feel bad for them. I feel bad for them. Well, your book certainly lays everything out in a very uh, heartfelt and tangible way. And um, I'm just highly recommending your book. Um, I'm going to remind people that this is Loretta Brown, and I'm talking to Joe McQuillan and his book, My Search for Christopher, on the other side, I think is, um, I think you just need to get it, everybody. You just need to go get it. And it might might help, might help somebody. Um, it might change your life. Mm-hmm. It really might. It might change the way you approach things. You know, um, I'm a different guy than before Chris crossed over. Mm-hmm. You know, this might wake you up a little bit. So, um 
Where can people find your book? And Amazon.com. Okay. It's uh, in print. You can have it in two days. Amazon is like Santa Claus. I mean, it's incredible. So <laughs> uh, it's, in, it's in print. It's also on Kindle. Um, they're going to have an Audible eventually, um, you know, which is good for Audible, uh, for guys who are more inclined to Audible like me. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, Amazon.com, and, and, and it, it gets shipped out right away. And, uh, because I know that it was more Chris and less me. You know, I'm just carrying the mail for the kids. Let me ask you this. Do people that pass the other side, do they have regrets? That's a great question. You know, and it's probably better for a, a real medium than me. Right. Is that I think, yes. Um, Christopher said, I, I don't think there's guilt or shame. But I think, like Christopher said, I would have liked to have been married. I would have liked to have been. Mm-hmm. I think he's, mm-hmm. they make peace with it. But Christopher has apologized for, for taking our love for granted, which I think most kids do at that age. I know I did. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, and, he, and he's apologized. So I think there's regrets, not in the way of, of being shamed or, but I think just of, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to run through this again, you probably do it a little differently. Um, so I do believe so. I do. Yeah. I think um, I think he feels bad, especially early. And we've been told by mediums that he's really made peace with it. But early, I think he was very haunted by the by the pain he was putting his mom and I through, and his brother and sister. Um, you know, he really regretted that his recklessness had this kind of impact. But I think, like on this, world, you know, you make peace with that and you move on. Yeah. And he's and we've been told he's actually. You know, beyond that, he's 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 gone beyond that feeling bad about that. Yeah. You know, which, which there's nothing there's nothing any dad in the world is worse for any dad than than watching their kid hurt or knowing that they're hurting. So I'm grateful that he's able to to move on. And and I'll tell you this: I had 20 people say, "Gee, I'm so sorry what what you went through." I had 21 years of being this guy's dad. Mm-hmm. 21 years of memory. Of, 21 years of the greatest job in the world. And as painful as the last three has been, I'd make that deal in a minute. I'd do it again. Yeah. I gotcha. So, um, the love is what goes on. Um, yeah. Thanks for listening. This is Loretta Brown, the original Loretta Brown show. My guest today has been Joe McQuillan and his book, My Search for Christopher on the Other Side is, uh, is available now on Amazon.com. And uh, love everybody. Joe, thanks so much for being on the show today. Be blessed in all that you do. And uh, we'll talk to you again.